What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Looking In podcast. I'm your host, Noah Simpson, and I'm here to help inspire and open future ideas for teens. And to define this week's guest is nearly impossible. As you'll hear, he's dedicated his time and efforts to raising awareness and funds to important issues in Africa, ranging from female genital mutilation, ending child marriage, and helping local communities in Africa. Jesse Clark, everyone. All right, so starting off, you lost your job at the beginning of COVID, right? Yeah, that's right. In July last year, July 2020, yeah. Okay, and you made the decision to travel to Africa. What was the motive or the inspiration behind that? Well, it it started um, when I was eight years old, actually. And um, I don't know if you have these in in uh, in America or Canada, but mm-hmm. um, we had these programs called like Children in Need or um, Red Nose Day or Comic Relief. And basically, they take like British or sometimes like American celebrities over to Africa um, and they just show the people back home like the the awful conditions that some people in Africa are living in like extreme poverty and um, I remember like clear as day I was eight years old with my mom on the sofa watching one of these programs and I was just crying so much and mm-hmm. asked my mom why have these kids got nothing and I've got all this I don't understand um, and so since that moment I've just been obsessed with the idea of being in Africa and helping people. Mm. Um, and, uh, and as I've got older and wiser and learned about kind of uh, issues that I wasn't aware of as an eight year old, things like, um, child marriage and, mm-hmm. um, female genital mutilation, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Yeah. Um, I, I decided to kind of channel my, um, energy and my, my passion for helping in Africa towards those sorts of topics. Right. So, so once you, once you went to Africa, you, you channeled towards, um, FGM and then also child marriage. And you also have, uh, a GoFundMe that's also for, um, it's a town, uh, how do you, it's Malawi. How do you say it? Malawi. Yeah. Uh, It's it's a country. Yeah. Yeah, so Malawi is where I was in um, in well f- for the, for six months um, from August 2020 until February this year. Um, I, I spent a little bit of time in Zambia as well, but um, yeah, yeah, Malawi. Yeah, I I I made a GoFundMe whilst I was in Malawi, mm-hmm. um, kind of three months into my trip out there, and that kind of really helped me keep going. Wow, that's it's amazing, and I've seen you've you've raised loads of money, which is it's amazing to see and. And I was learning a little bit more about FGM, and I don't understand how. So it's it's illegal here in North America. I understand that, and a couple other places. But it blew my mind how that it was actually like um, a thing that, like, my mom was trying to explain it to me, and I just didn't understand because I was just like, "This is this is crazy. There's no benefits. There's nothing." So I thought that was really amazing how you how you do that. And I feel like not enough people these days are helping out people who who are in need and take a stand for this stuff because it isn't affecting them, but they don't understand the difference in in other countries. Yeah, it's there's there's kind of like you know uh, when you talk about it or if I post about it, a lot of people ask like, "Why does it happen? Why does it happen?" Mm-hmm. And um, you know the the kind of underlying answer to because there's loads of different kind of theories or reasons in different countries as to why it happens. But the underlying thing is to control women and in particular to control their sexuality. Um, mm. So the the practice, uh, it, it kind of, a lot of people, because it happens in um, mostly uh, Muslim majority countries, a lot of people think that it's, um, 
you know exclusively an islamic problem and uh, and it's not um it's uh, it kind of outdates islam uh, it was happening kind of years and years and years before islam came along so um but you know for example in like egypt and more kind of arab countries um in the middle east and stuff uh, they say that it it happens because they believe that you know um for example if a woman is in a car and you're going along a bumpy road then the vibrations in the road uh will, will go up into her body and if she has a clitoris they will like stimulate her to go and cheat on her husband so they remove wow. all of that risk by just simply cutting off the the clitoris um and then in kind of other countries like Somalia or more African countries, mm-hmm. um, they say that, you know, they have all these kind of traditions that they think that, you know, when a, when a lady is giving birth, if the baby's head touches the clitoris um, when the baby's coming out, then the mother and the baby will die. You know, all of these absurd things um, that we just would automatically say well that's just rubbish mm-hmm. um they they believe these things so it's it's really hard to like change people's minds um but but it, it can be done and it is being done and um mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm not gonna stop until it, well until i can do as much as i can and eradicate it in as many places as possible really right, right. hasn't it, it's been done to over like 200 million girls and women alive today which is it is insane. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's yeah, that's the common um, statistic mm-hmm. that gets thrown around. I think, um, well, yeah, I believe it to be true. I think the WHO and uh, and the UN and UNICEF they they all use that statistic. So, yeah, it's it's happening at a crazy rate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Somalia, for example, uh, nearly every kind of uh, research that gets done says that the statistics in Somalia are ninety five percent of all girls or women in Malawi uh, in Somalia have been um, through the procedure. Um, you know, Mali like ninety percent, Egypt ninety percent, Ethiopia over seventy percent. It's it's staggering. It's it's horrible. Wow, no, that is like those numbers are insane. And it doesn't. It also has no health benefits at all, right? It's only harm. Would you say? that that's right yeah no health benefits whatsoever it's it's like purely just to 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 oppress and and control women and uh yeah yeah no health benefits that's awful that it blows my mind me too yeah there's there's like there's no words for it you know you you can you can have a conversation with someone about it and like be talking about it for a while and and you know there's there are just you run out of words because it's mm-hmm. it's something that like just absolutely should not be happening and um you know i'm happy to kind of talk politically about Mm -hmm. it but without trying to to be too political about it a a lot of people always say um oh well it's their culture you shouldn't interfere with their culture it's their tradition and um i and many um other fgm activists and in particular african fgm activists say like hold on a minute like you know just because it's tradition doesn't mean that it's right you know there were there were many things that were traditional in the world for example slavery was tradition um but we now look back and we know that it's wrong no matter where you are in the world you know if you're white or black western or or eastern everyone can kind of agree that it's wrong um but then you're always going to get someone that says well just because you say it's wrong doesn't mean it is wrong Mm. and like you know are you trying to play god and all of this kind of thing but um 
I don't have time for for people like that yeah. who who try and argue and uh, you know I don't know if you've seen but like on social media I get accused of being all sorts of things I I, mm-hmm. I get called a white savior and a colonizer and all of this stuff um, and uh, you know ironically and, and funnily uh, it's the people who claim to be anti-racist and you know yeah. all of that stuff mm-hmm. they they're discriminating against me because of the color of my skin they say oh but you're not black you can't be in africa and leave them alone and and you know if if these critics of mine just spoke for one minute with the people that i help Mm -hmm. they would realize that like we should just leave jesse alone or support him like no totally um it's it's mind-blowing um that that whole side of it yeah um but I, i mean i know you didn't necessarily ask about that but i just thought i'd i'd say that totally like it 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 like honestly leaves me speechless because there's like I, again like i said i i don't even know how to comprehend that because it's just like everyone talks about all these world issues but i've like i've never even knew this like until recently until i found you on tiktok i never knew this was an issue and i never knew about even child marriage that it was even still a thing like i knew about it and then child soldiers like blows my mind like it's really yeah I, i'm it leaves me speechless because i feel like I feel like I've like I haven't known about this and now just out of nowhere, you know, so I just feel like it, it needs to be something that that needs to be spread out more. And it's insane. It, yeah. And child married. Could you uh, explain that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So um, child marriage is uh, it, it's kind of well, it's, it's not to be compared with or to um, FGM. You know, it's a it's a it's a different issue. Um, a lot of the time, the two go hand in hand. Um, but uh, yeah, child marriage is is you know dreadful. Um, for example, in Malawi, where I was, um, over forty five percent of girls um, are victims of child marriage. So. Wow. Um, you know, I saw girls like 10 years old being married off to 40 year old men. Um, and, and they actually have these sexual initiation camps where when a girl, um, gets her first period, they think that that's her turning into a woman. Um, even if she's eight years old, nine years old. Um, I mean, I went to school with girls that had their period when they were nine years Mm -hmm. old. Um, so, so when that happens, they send these girls off to these camps where hyenas, um, aka you know, like old men, um, but they call them hyenas. They they go in and they just have like one man will go in and have sex with like numerous nine, ten, thirty, eleven, twelve year old girls um, to prepare them for womanhood, um, and then sometimes after that whole kind of thing the girl will then go off and get married um to to a man and uh yeah it's 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 horrendous and so child marriage and fgm are kind of the the two main things that i'm passionate about mm-hmm. trying to end mm-hmm. no that's crazy and that, like that's at the ages of like eight nine ten you said yeah wow that's again that's that leaves me speechless like i i understood that child marriage was a thing uh but i i didn't have an understanding that in africa that was what was still going on it's that is really mind-blowing it it's speechless um and child soldiers um is that is that a yeah so i i haven't um done anything around child soldiers mm-hmm. i've mentioned on I think my my social media yes. platforms that it's something that i am uh you know interested in and want to 
help in the fight against it. Um, it, I know that there are far less child soldiers now um, compared to say like 10 or 15 years ago. Um, like the, the civil war in Sierra Leone, um, there were hundreds and thousands of child soldiers there. And um, you know, I don't know, have you heard of um, Joseph Kony? I have not. So there was a, there was a big thing in, in he was trending in 2012 mm-hmm. Um, it was this whole this whole hashtag on like Facebook find Coney. Okay. Um, he he operated kind of years before that. Uh, I'm gonna say like yeah, it was early 2000s. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was like at his peak. He's basically a, a guy from uh, Uganda, and he 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 was leading the LRA, which is called the Lord's Resistance Army. And he basically just like went into loads of villages in Northern Uganda and Southern Sudan and um, killed loads of women and children, uh, raped loads of women and children and got all the young boys and turned them into child soldiers, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year old boys. Um, and just like murdered thousands and thousands of people. Um, and he's, he still hasn't been found. Um, but, but um he yeah there there are still far too many child soldiers you know one is too many but yeah there are still far too many child soldiers in africa um but uh yeah i I haven't kind of done anything on that i've just spoken about it a bit on social media yeah no and when was this or you said it was joseph coney was um i mean someone's probably going to fact check me on this but i'm pretty sure he was at his his peak around like early 2000s like 2000 2001 and i think a bit before that as well like late late 90s Mm. um but then he it was trending in 2012 like find coney um Mm -hmm. but but he hasn't been found wow that's that's again that's crazy and that just makes me that just makes me almost um like be grateful for where i am and where i live like i i couldn't imagine being in a situation where i would have to um be a young young child and have to be put in that situation it's it's mind-blowing and it just makes me appreciate and be so grateful of where i am so it's it is crazy and i feel like that it's definitely something that needs to be addressed so the next steps on this like are there yeah what are the goals for um obviously the goals are to completely stop it but could you uh could you expand sure yeah so um i'm I'm headed out to tanzania in east africa Mm. in 12 days actually awesome um it, this is this is just a short trip. It's a it's I'm just going for a month, and I'm calling it a a research trip or a scoping out trip. Um, where basically, uh, you know, rather than finding things out on Google, um, I want to be out there on the ground and and gathering my own data. Mm. Um, so going into you know villages and and wherever and um finding out for myself, you know, everything I can about. FGM and child marriage, uh, who it's happening to, when it's happening, who's who's carrying out the procedures, is there money involved, and just everything I can about it. Um, and then, and then I'll return back home to the UK, and um, I, I'm I'm going to try. I, I I need to have a think about exactly which path or which direction I, I want to go down, but I I want to have my own kind of organization or charity or NGO. Um, there's a few kind of technical differences between like a, a non-for-profit and an NGO and a charity. Um, and then, and then the, the goal is to, you know, be out in Africa full time, um, you know, for years and years and years, uh, and just do my best to, to fight against it. I'm, I'm going to need 
a big team um, that, you know, I want to create a movement like so big that, you know, I want like, I want to make it cool for like young Western people like, like you or I to go out to Africa or wherever it need wherever it needs be and, and help um, and, and stop these things. You know, like I always, I always say to people, I went out to Malawi um, with like 2000 pounds in my bank account, which is like, I don't know, 3000 us dollars yeah. and, and 2000 uh, Instagram followers. Now, if, drake or you know a superstar like eminem or someone like that went out to to africa to do what i did with his hundreds and millions of dollars in the bank and hundreds and millions of followers he would have a much bigger impact than i would so um you know i I and more people would get helped Mm -hmm. so um i want to to build this movement and i'm i'm like very grateful that my um, social media followers are rising and rising because at the end of the day, the more people supporting the cause, um, that that means the more people are going to get helped, um, and and you know less girls are going to go through this barbaric thing of having their vagina cut mm-hmm. off, you know, when they're like age two, three, four. Um, so yeah, that that I get, I guess that is it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that kind of. is an overview of of what i want to do totally and yeah you're growing extremely quick so it's it's amazing now you're at like almost 50k on instagram which is amazing and uh that's it's really cool um so a lot of people so this is something that kind of came up in my head and it was um what really inspired you to actually go to africa whenever someone could just say like oh you've you could have done this from home you know yeah good question um well i think it's so to answer that specifically like why africa and not home in the uk um i think it's a a combination of i think it's a combination of two things first thing is like i love africa Mm -hmm. um i mean don't get me wrong i love the uk and i'm quite patriotic you know i I love being english and I, i you know i love england um but but I, I love Africa so much, everything about it. And I'm, it's a huge, vast continent with 54 different countries. But, um, you know, the, the African red sun and the animals and, and the people are so friendly and and, and all of that stuff. Um, and it's where, like, human civilization started, you know, all those millions of years ago. So it's a combination of my, my love for Africa and then the fact that, like, you know, for example, Somalia – uh, FGM is happening at a rate of 95% wow. um, or, or Northern Tanzania where I'm going like over 50, 55% um, compare that to the UK. I think the statistics in the UK are something like below 1% of girls in the UK have gone through FGM. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, and a lot of those numbers in that 1% will be people coming from like foreign countries to get the procedure done in the UK and then they go back to their country. So, um, yeah, that Mm -hmm. I think is, is my answer to that, to, to why I, I don't help Mm -hmm. here. Um, as opposed to helping in Africa. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Totally. Um, what are some of the differences that you found, uh, from home and the UK and to Africa? Like what, what are, what are the things that stand out the most to you? Um, so small things like uh, I don't I think I think America and Canada are different to the UK mm-hmm. in this aspect, but 
little things like, you know, um, a, a pickup truck, right? Like in the UK, it's illegal to have like people sitting in the back of your pickup truck yes, correct. And, and you drive on the yeah, road. As well, yeah. Um, so yeah. Whereas in Africa, like I had a pickup truck and, you know, I would have like 30 people in the mm. back of my pickup truck. Um, and just things like that, where it's a bit like, um, you know, it's just so carefree and you can kind of like do what you want. And, uh, and just the, the, the views, like just of every day walking around in Malawi, where I was mm. like just outside the capital, um, the, the trees are, are so much bigger and like, so things like that are really different. And then, you know, people, people are so, so different. You know, you, you walk around the street in, in the UK, like London or Manchester yeah. and, you know, if you're, if you're coming, if you're coming up to a stranger, most of the time, both of you will like look down at the floor or look, look at your phone or something. Whereas in, in Africa in in the countries that I've been to Kenya, Zambia, Malawi, you know, if a, if a stranger spots you from like a mile away, they're already looking at you and like preparing mm -hmm. their smile. And, you know, you get on a bus next to somebody mm -hmm. and everyone on the bus is talking to each other. Like, Oh, where are you going? And and this and that. And, you know, you can sit on the subway in New York or, or London and like you're in a carriage full of like 50 people and no one is talking to mm -hmm. each other. It's it's like when you look at it from like a big picture, it's, it's I find it mental that like we, we have all these people around us, but we actually don't interact with, with people at all. Um, whereas out there, everyone's just so friendly and everyone wants to help you. You know, if your car, if your car breaks mm -hmm. down, you'll have people like running over to try and help you. And, and that's not just because I'm white or, yeah. or I'm not black that they try to help me. You know, they do that for each other as well. Um, and, and they don't expect anything in return. So mm -hmm. yeah, those are some things I guess that are really different. Yeah, it's just a great community. That's amazing. It's super cool. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm, it's a goal for me to go to Africa someday. I would, I would love to experience that. What were the, uh, what were some of the living conditions? And so I was staying in a house, uh, with electricity. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually staying with an English family who were living out there. So I had, um, running water, uh, I had hot water, um, uh, you know, electricity, mm -hmm. um, but like directly opposite us in the village, like a 20 meter walk away, um, there was no electricity, you know? So when the sun went down, um, you know, you can barely see where you're going. Mm. Um, uh, there, there are no toilets in the village at, like, as in real flush toilets. Everyone just, um, goes for a number two in a hole in the ground. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, really, really, really bad living conditions. Uh, I mean, Malawi, um, according to, to most, um, statistics is the third poorest country in the world. Wow. And over 75% of the population are living below the poverty line, which is like $1 50 cents a day. Um, so yeah, they're super, super poor. Um, so yeah, pretty bad living conditions. Wow. That's, that's, that leaves me speechless again. It's, it's insane. And while you were there, you also helped out, um, a young boy named Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people ask me about mm -hmm. Sam. Um, he, he was living in the village that I was, uh, kind of, you know, living in and his mum uh, worked for the family that I was staying with. She was the cleaner, um, Regina and, uh, Sam was her young six year old son. And, um, I, I just immediately, uh, 
bonded with Sam. Um, his, his dad died a couple of years before I met him. So about three years ago, his dad died of HIV. Um, it's, it's really common in, out there. One in 18 people in Malawi have HIV. Oh, wow. Um and I guess in Sam, I, I kind of saw um, a, a young version of myself. You know, my dad isn't dead and didn't die of HIV, mm. but I grew up without a dad. Um, he, he wasn't around. And um, I, I hate the idea of like young boys or, or girls growing up without a dad. And, you know, Barack Obama famously said a few years ago, you know, father absence is the number one problem facing America right now. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's possibly the same all over the world. And I, I just kind of, uh, we had like a, a father, son, brother, brother relationship. Um, he, he, he loved me and I loved him and I just kind of took him wherever I went and he wanted to be with me all the time and I wanted to be with him. And, um, I, I kind of really helped out his family. I, I put him and his sister into school. Um, I, 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 you know, she, she Regina, his mum was hardly earning anything. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I just wanted to help them out and, and we just became so close. It's, it's amazing just to see you help them out. And I saw the water fight, um, thing and they look so happy and amazing. It's just, it was so, so almost wholesome to see that. And, oh, it's, it's really amazing. Um, you also, you also, I also saw you were a coach of a football team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, over, over there in, in your part of the world, you guys soccer, call it soccer, yes. Right? I made sure to say football um, instead, just so it's, yeah. No, it's fine, yeah. I just thought perhaps your audience yes, might yeah. get confused mm -hmm. with that. But yeah, a round ball, yeah, football. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm like crazy about football or soccer. Um, I've, I've played all my life and oh, um, I've, I've coached for five years here in the UK. And um, yeah, I was, I was the, the coach of a village team out there and... Um, uh, you know, we, well, yeah, I think it's fair to say I, I kind of transformed the team. You know, we, they went from like, you know, having no kits or jerseys and no football boots and, and like nothing. And, and they were losing all the time. And uh, we, we ended up like going on a crazy winning streak. We won something like 12 games in a wow. row and we were playing against like national teams and um, not, not like international countries, but yeah. like teams that were playing in the, in the national division. Um, and, and yeah, it was just an amazing journey that we went on. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, that was, that was a great part of my time there. No, totally. Yeah. I saw, I saw all those videos. It's, it's really amazing. They're very talented as well. Like um, didn't one of the, uh, didn't one of them go professional? Yeah, that's right. Um, a, a boy called Ko, uh, oh. he he honestly was just the best thing I've I'd ever seen. And mm. you know, I've played against like players that are earning like thirty thousand dollars a week right like right now. And um, he, yeah, I've never seen anyone better than him. And he's playing on like awful conditions, uh, awful surfaces, um, and you just cannot take the ball away from him. He 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 just wins games by himself. And, um, yeah, I, I made friends with a guy who, uh, is the owner of a big team in the South of the country, a, a city called Blantyre. And, um, we arranged for Co to go down there on a trial and, um, yeah, he got in and, and signed a contract with them. Um, although, although, you know, it, it's not going so well because, uh, COVID has kind of hit right. Malawi quite hard, mm. um, economically it's not actually hit people very hard um you know it's maybe a bit of like african 
kind of politic political corruption. I don't know, but the cases aren't high. But um, the country has been affected, you know, financially. Um, so, so yeah, the team doesn't really have any money to pay Co. Um, but it's funny that you brought that up because, you know, I don't want to speak too soon, but I just got contacted by um, a, a guy in the UK, an English guy who founded um, the PFSA, stands for the, the Professional Football Scouts Association. Oh, wow. um, and this guy knows, like, Cristiano Ronaldo and wow. all the big, big football guys. And uh, he is really interested. Yeah, he's really interested in Co. And he wants to get Co over here to Europe um, to trial. So I'm actually, I just sent Co um, some money to go and buy a passport because he doesn't have a passport. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to try and get him here over to Spain to, to trial for some teams. That, like, that is so inspiring to me. The fact that you opened up um, all these opportunities for him. That's so amazing. That's it's so inspiring that you were able to do that for him. It's really cool. And whenever you brought up uh, COVID, um, could you? What was it like whenever you were there? Because I know you went whenever COVID started. Was it um, bad, or what was the conditions like? Because I know here in Canada, we all went to lockdown. You know, it was it was pretty. Um, we were all quarantined. So could you could you uh, speak about that? Sure. Yeah. So. Um the the cases were really really low you know i, I flew out in august last year and um you had to wear a mask at the airport and all that mm -hmm. stuff but um the cases were like crazily low like only 200 cases in the whole country oh, wow. at one point when i was there i think that might have been like se september or something yeah um but you know every every guy on on the corner of a of a street in the capital city was selling a mask um uh and like the shops asked you to wear a mask um but to be honest like they weren't that strict with it um th there was no lockdown whilst i was there or or may well i don't know um maybe there was like in the, in the city but where i was living was like a, a 25 minute drive out from the mm -hmm. city center um pretty much in the bush or you know in in the in the real rural villages and you know you wouldn't even if you landed there no you wouldn't have any idea that there was a global pandemic you know going on um just, you know they've got bigger things to worry about than right. that and and they're also not stupid like you know that they, they 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 get the same statistics that we get you know i know it's different in each country but they knew that there was something like a a 99% recovery rate um you know and you compare that to the number one killer in the world which is malaria mm -hmm. um and you've got you know millions of people out there dying from malaria um they and i see that as a real global pandemic but but you know the western world doesn't really want to take notice of that um it's it's quite funny the 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 west kind of and the big politicians they only really care about things that affect them you know all these people dying from malaria and hiv it kind of kind of goes unnoticed mm. um but yeah nobody in malawi really cares about covid or certainly not the people that i was around wow okay yeah because yeah out here it was it was we had a whole lockdown because uh, case were spreading but i'm also guessing from where you were it also probably wasn't as bad because it was a smaller community and you know so that that would definitely make sense yeah uh so some of the things that you've learned from africa is there anything that you like would definitely uh pinpoint out that is very important um that's a good question uh I, i'd say you know being grateful mm -hmm. I, i've i've definitely learned to be more grateful um although i'm not sure I'm not sure how much that can 
like have an impact if if one person you know becomes grateful right. I, d- I don't know what kind of impact that can have on the world but um you know i i kind of don't worry about little things anymore that i perhaps used to worry about um like i don't know if i miss a train uh and i have to wait 30 minutes for the next train i kind of like don't care about things like that anymore whereas in the past that would like really annoy me um because i know that out there you know in malawi or zambia that you know people walk like two miles three miles to just get water you know so um me missing my train to go into town here like it kind of like puts things into perspective yeah and then well i guess i could say that like things i've i've really learned about are things like um child marriage and fgm and and how important they are and and like it well how important it is to try and stop those things um you know i like like you said yourself and many other people just kind of wasn't aware of it you know uh so I think it's really important that everyone becomes aware of that. So um, that's probably the, the, the biggest thing I've learned about like how serious these issues are um, and how important it is to, to spread awareness back home. Mm-hmm. No, totally. I even think that it should be something that should be um, taught in schools because this isn't, it's never been brought up in anything like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've got a huge problem with the education Mm -hmm. system here in the UK. You know, everyone wants to come and live in in England or America and, and, you know, our our universities are the best universities in the world and all that stuff. But, you know, we didn't learn about this kind of thing in in school and even things like, you know, you don't get taught how to do your taxes and things like that. Um, So uh, I, I can't see them adding child marriage or or FGM into the school curriculum anytime soon. But there are people like, um, I don't know if you've seen on my social media, but I've made friends with this lady called Hebo Wardair. Yes, I did see um, that. And she's, yeah, she's amazing. She's an FGM activist. And um, unfortunately, it happened to her when she was six years old in Somalia, and then she fled and, and came to Europe. Um, but she goes into schools now in London, and she talks about it. That's that pretty much takes up like all her time. Um, and she's, she's invited me to go into schools and, and talk mm-hmm. with her. Um, it just, it just hasn't happened. I think for, for like reasons like COVID and stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crucially important that it gets taught to kids because kids obviously the, are, are the future. And, um, if you're teaching like young girls and boys in school about the realities of what's happening in life in, in other countries, then they're going to be the ones that grow up and, either like become politicians or or become influencers um uh, and and they're going to be the ones that are able to like make the change so um yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely i'm only in grade 10 so i still have another two years and i'm hoping to even be able to just just let people know because it it seriously blows my mind how I haven't been informed on this at all in any school system or anything like that. Like it's, it, it really does blow my mind. I mean, we obviously we have um, uh, fundraisers and different stuff like that, but this has never been something that's even been brought up. Like before I found you, I was like, I had no clue this was an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of that whole thing about like blissful ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, like um, it's one of those things where people might hear about it. Like, you know, adults or or our parents they or anyone you know teachers they might hear about it but they think like because it's happening so far away and they think that it's just not going to affect their lives whatsoever and it probably won't 
that they don't need to worry about it. They don't need to add it to the list of things that they have to worry about or care about. Um, yeah, it really is kind of blissful ignorance. Uh, it's, ha- it, you know, it's happening so far away. It doesn't concern me. I can leave it. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it really, sh- these things really should be known to everybody. Um, you know, like everyone cares about, everyone hears about like, um, animals going extinct you know like the black rhino or something like that and everyone cares about that and signs a petition about that but but um yeah not many people want to talk about these things I, maybe maybe people avoid these topics because they find it like too gruesome um like disgusting or they can't even bear the thought of it so they avoid it um i don't know i don't know but me personally like when i hear about things like that happening i i can't turn a, a blind eye to it you know i i just think you know we're on this planet for a limited amount of time i've you know i've never been a rich man um i've always lived paycheck to paycheck however i i have enjoyed good things in life i've been on loads of holidays and things like that and you know uh, if i've got food on my plate and like a roof over my head you know a few nice clothes to wear like what else do I need? You know, I, I, these people like they need help. And, um, if, if no one, you know, it's not a case of like, if no one else is going to do it, then I'm going to do it. Cause I, I want to do it. But, um, yeah, like I feel like I have to do it. I feel like it's my duty. And, and some of my friends tell me that I shouldn't feel like that. I shouldn't feel like I have to do it. Um, but I feel like everyone should, should be helping out there. Um, or wherever it is in the world, it may be like in India, you know, there are, loads of problems in India, like the rape, um, the rape culture in India is huge. And, um, and child marriage is, is happening in India and Bangladesh and countries in Asia as well. It's not just Africa. Um, but I think everybody has a responsibility to help, but unfortunately not everybody, you know, thinks that as well. I feel like too many people are locked in that if it isn't affecting them, then why, why deal with it, you know, because it's, it's not their issue, but I feel like you need to take a stand for these other communities that are in need or in, uh, need just that support, right? So it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, you know, just to kind of further that point, you know, again, without trying, because you haven't asked me these questions in like a political mm-hmm. way, but, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be too political here, but, you know, people in America and the UK, they go on about oppression and they think people are oppressed. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, people are not oppressed here in the West, you know, um, compared to out there. Um, it's, it blows my mind, you know, that certain people think that they're oppressed and, and, you know, just go to Africa, just go to like somewhere like India or parts of India, uh, you know, parts of Africa and, and you will see real suffering, you know, um, it, it blows my mind. Totally. And from that, uh, I usually end my episodes with uh, a piece of advice from my guest. So could you give any, any piece of advice that you think is, um, the most meaningful? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great question. And I, I didn't have to think twice about my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, the best advice I could give to teenagers is do not follow the crowd and do your own research, read books. Don't just believe what your friends share on Instagram, question your friends. You know, if if a friend shares something on their Instagram story about anything, about a cause or, or anything, question them, say, 
oh, why are you sharing this? Why is this happening? Don't just follow the crowd. Um, and, and be brave enough to, to like stand up to your friends. My, one of my best friends, Peter Horan told me when I was young, it takes a brave man to stand up to his enemies, but it takes an even braver man to stand up to his friends. And, you know, it's so easy as a young person, no matter if you're the popular one in the group or, or the, or the not so popular one in the group, doesn't matter who you are. It's so easy as a young teenager to just go with whatever your friends are doing. If they're protesting about something, you have to protest with it. If they're wearing certain clothes, you have to wear those clothes. It's so easy to do that. Um, and the hard thing to do is, is to be authentic and be yourself. Um, so I've probably said that uh, in a few different ways there, but yeah, just be yourself and don't follow the crowd, read books, um, and, and do your own research. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously. Um, I have to ask you, what can, what can people, what can the listeners do to help support? What people can do is, um, share my posts um and not just mine you know there are many other fgm activists out there um share posts um research it yourself and create posts yourself i think not enough people do that you know i think people care about issues um and then they'll like they'll maybe share my post once or twice and put it on their story but if more people actually made posts about it themselves um then you know the the, the word is going to spread um and tell people tell people about it say oh hey I, I listened to this podcast the other day with this guy called jesse on on noah simpson's podcast and uh and he was talking about fgm and tell people over dinner you know or when you're in a bar drinking with your friends like say, hey, have you heard about FGM in Africa? Like, it's crazy. And um, yeah, because I think a lot of people like think about things in their head and they, they don't talk about it. And that's the way we learn, you know, from other people. We we, we talk to people and, and listen. So yeah, yeah. Just kind of everyday steps like Most that. Definitely, yeah. And you can find all of Jesse's links in the description below. And thank you again, Jesse. Seriously, it's been amazing having you on. And you are so inspirational. And the things you're doing are so amazing. And it's, it really, it, it's amazing. I'm, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Ah, uh, no. Honestly, I thank you so much for having me on. Um, I, I actually listened to your when you got in touch with me. I listened to your podcast with Alex mm -hmm. Brogy. Um. The, yeah and uh i've listened to it a couple of times actually and i, I really like it and um I, I really like your your style and you're young and like you're doing all this um stuff whilst being your age like you know the sky's your limit you could go on to be like the next joe rogan or whatever it is you want to do you know like you're really good at what you do and uh just keep I it really, up i really really do appreciate that and from there that's a wrap <laughs>